You're listening to Flipping the Narrative. Come, flip with us. Hello, hola, mabuhay, kumusta? Welcome to our podcast, Flipping the Narrative, where we talk about everything and anything and distill it through the prism of our Filipino-ness. I'm Bambina Olivares. Laura I'm Laura Veraglio. Okay, we'll go again. <laughs> and I'm Luis Duterte. <laughs> We're not your typical Filipinos, or so we've been told. But who's to say what a Filipino really is? Is it a look, an ethnicity, or a point of view? So let's talk about it. Let's explore what it means to be Filipino and what it means to navigate through cultural, racial, and gender, and societal issues in this global parochial world. But maybe to start with, we should talk about what flip means and flipping in this context. Now, do yeah. you want to start with that? I mean, I think you're the one who has a little bit more. So this was interesting as we were talking about how we want to talk about these issues from a particularly Filipino perspective, right? We got to thinking, how would we say it? Do we Filipino this narrative? Do we Filipino this perspective? And then that kind of led to this idea of flipping the narrative and remembering that flip was a slur and apparently still is in some areas against Filipinos, dating from, if I'm not mistaken, the Second World War. So then we thought, great, we can actually reclaim that word from being a slur into a verb, right? Let's look at this from a particularly Filipino perspective, which is, of course, not one thing, right? So yeah, that's kind of where flipping the narrative came from. Excellent. And I think it's really important to, to understand and I, I, the basis of, of the story we're trying to tell is the fact that, as you said, um, Filipino does not fit one single mold. We've been, you know, influenced by so many different cultures. Mm-hmm. Within our own country, we have different socio groups, social groups, uh, mm-hmm. anthropological ways of how we engage with each other. And the fact that, you know, it is 2021, we need to understand that there is a whole mix of Filipino-ness yeah. that brings yeah. up a lot of value a lot of interests and a lot of relevance in different communities around the world, not only in our own. And I think that the ability of, of being part of this new community with different perspectives and point of view is what allows us to now raise bigger issues that can be of importance to many of those people that, like us, are mixed heritage mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and need answers to questions that come up on our day-to-day lives. Right. Bams, what would you say? How did you sort of jump into the flipping the narrative bandwagon? <laughs> well, I've heard flip before, you know. I've heard right. people who've moved to the States in, in the 70s, 80s or whatever. And then they would say, oh, yeah, you know, the Americans call us flips. They call Italians, you know, they had American, right. white, let's say white Americans, had mm-hmm. names for all these different ethnic groups that were coming to right. America, so to speak, right? But I don't think then my friends who were mm-hmm. called those things, I don't think they really thought it was an insult then. I think it comes with a greater consciousness later on that mm-hmm. when you start becoming aware of the power structures, Mm-hmm. that you're thrust into or you know and you understand attitudes and white supremacy as well we can talk yep, about that absolutely and you sort of 
begin to realize that it's a form of othering, right? Yeah. It's saying, okay, well, you're not us, so we call you flips. You're not us, so we call you, you know, like whatever. Yeah. You're not mm-hmm. us, we call you, for Italians, I mean, this is according to my friends, it would say Dago, right? And you mm-hmm. can't say that anymore. That's really a right. pejorative term, right? Mm-hmm. Which I think flip is, but I also like to think that Filipinos have a crazy sense of humor, right? So, <laughs> and it's really so Filipino to flip the whole thing right? Exactly. and make fun out of it, which in a way we're also doing so we're we're serious about what we're doing but we also have this sense of humor through which we look at things and Absolutely. in a way not take it not not so much not take it seriously because i think we're going to talk about serious things but part of i think we've learned as filipinos and part of getting through this crazy country we live in mm. is having a sense of humor Girl. right and seeing yep. seeing some kind of glimmer of i don't know comfort in that way or you know in the darkness yeah. so to speak I guess. Sure. I think also, I mean, to that point, uh, is in, in flipping for us as Filipinos is what allows us to adapt whenever yeah. we leave the country. Exactly. Not only yeah. what, when we Absolutely. leave the country, yeah. but we flip everything, right? We. Yeah. It, it's interesting. In my world, I do food. It's really interesting. I was talking to some friends in, in the UAE, and they were part of the Carrefour group. Mm. And they were saying that Carrefour ends up doing prepared meals basically targeted at Filipinos because the Filipinos are the the community that more happily integrates food mm-hmm. from other countries mm-hmm. into their day-to-day. Right. Right. And so that was very, very interesting for me to understand and saying, right. oh, wow, I mean, the fact that we are that adaptive oh, yeah. as a community all around the world is, is impressive. Which, which brings me to two points I wanted to make when I was listening to both of you. When you say f- to flip the narrative, right? It's not a one-way flip, like with a pancake. You cook one side and then you flip the sucker over and you're done. No, (laughs) Filipinos actually, I find, have this incredible flexibility, right? Mm. To go through the interstices of different cultures and and really adapt very well and integrate very well. I do also think, the second point I wanted to make, that is a bit of a double-edged sword. This is why we have Filipino Republicans, right? So you come to this country, you're treated like shit. Really treated like shit, right? Like, let's remember the race riots back in the day, right? Mm -hmm. In California against Filipinos in particular. So Filipinos revolt. They helped lead the, um, oh, what was the big strike? Yeah, with the farmer's um, strike. The farmer's strike with um, Cesar Chavez. Exactly, exactly. It Leong. It Leong, correct? It Leong, yeah. Yes. So we come from that. We have roots in that. We have roots in civil rights struggles in the United States, et cetera. Exactly. And then what happens? Then there's a certain level of idealized minority acquisition and aspiration. Then all of a sudden they're like, no, 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 no. We're hardcore Republicans. Go Trump. You know what I mean? So I think that that flexibility is a big asset for Filipinos around the world. I also think it's what can get us a little bit in trouble, diba? <laughs> and it, so, yeah. it becomes, it, it, Bamina, you mentioned it in the beginning, we're looking, we're looking at power. So all mm-hmm. of a sudden, as we go up in the economic and wellness and success stories, yep. mm-hmm. then we start also pressing down on the people who have not gotten there yet. Totally. Um, right. And, and that, that is something yeah. that, is, that is quite um, incredible because we come from a very, very strong sel- sense of community. Mm. But then the minute we leave this and then we, we become successful, then all of a sudden independence 
and and being individualistic now becomes relevant and now we now we want to become like them this is the issue when we start emulating yeah, white totally. people people with yeah, you totally. know, power so and stuff, right? <laughs> i have to say this because every time we talk about white people and supremacy and power then i look at us in this video right and 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 we are associated with whiteness right we're white we're, we're white passing yeah exactly. exactly and and the funny thing is just in this video it's like a bit of a it's like a, a gradation correct like maybe with luis and then bambina and then me who might be the more local looking but even here in manila i am seen as maputi i'm really seen as white identified mm. or mestiza or whatever when i go to the united states this is why i tell people all the time i've had an interesting life in living a rather or relatively privileged existence in the philippines mm. right with a certain look or a certain last name and certain education etc and then going to the united states and living this real immigrant reality Mm-hmm. where I looked Asian, was treated as Asian, fresh off the boat, we were talking about earlier, and like a refugee, right? Um, and I think, therefore, flipping the narrative is an attempt to encompass as m- as many perspectives of Filipino-ness as we can, not just ours, right, which is already quite diverse, but more white passing, but maybe also because we do have this privilege, we can give a platform to people who otherwise wouldn't have that platform. Right, and wouldn't have no, that and it's space. It's really funny because our roots are here, exactly. whether we want to admit it or not. But yet here we're considered, yeah. uh, like I said, not your everyday Filipino. Exactly. And yet, when you look at Filipinos now and and how they've evolved because of all the years of of OFWs going on mm-hmm. abroad, coming back, intermarriages, and everything, it really is a very mixed society. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, I'm just saying, like for for us, not to fit under the typical mold. Now, I'm wondering if it's our looks or really our our outlook, you know, um, or both together. Both and. <laughs> yeah, both, both and. and. If yeah. anything, well, what if I, I may, what I'd like yeah. to interject though for that, is since we're in that, I'd like to take the time to sort of introduce at least myself and in that and, and how mm-hmm. I am Filipino. You know, I, I, I have my, my grandfather on my mother's side is half uh, Bulaqueño and half Kapampangan. And then on my grandmother's side, they're basically Ilongo. Um, I didn't my know about the is... Pampanga connection. Oh, yeah, yeah, they're from Kabebe. With a bit of English, right? No, no, no. That just I happened know. to be the grandfather was born in an English boat and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it was it. Stowaway. Um, yeah, <laughs> Wait, I have stowaway roots also. So. <laughs> oh, no. Lumabas na ba? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a bit of that my father is 100 spanish right i wasn't born here but i was born colonizer into... kidding sorry yeah, go ahead. thank you there um, conquistador uh, exactly I, I was i was born into a, a family there's a filipino family here who's been you know in the philippines since the early 1800s and uh, the love of the philippines i have basically came from you know a grandmother and a grandfather who absolutely loved the art and the culture of of this country he played piano he sang uh, there was a lot of poetry going on so i grew up i was you know two three years old and i was beside him playing the piano listening to kundima and you know the kundiman sort of era and the songs are still things that today i listen to and cry and and it, they hit me very profoundly Mm. And when I tell people where I feel Filipino, it is usually in the arts. It's usually in the music. It's, right. it's usually in dance. It's usually in the visual arts. 
because that's where I think that, you know, growing up within that environment made me very, very attuned to our sensitivity here. Mm. And, and, and your and that, food, your food is your art. And you, you absolutely, yeah. I see so much Filipino in your food or how you approach food. And it's, I think it's our habits that have made me change mm. the way I serve food to people. Mm. Again, the community the sense of love that we have for each other we're we're always reaching into people's plates and mm. telling them oh no 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 this is how i need to to, 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 eat, to teach you how to eat this Mm-mm. let me roll this for you let me no 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 no. you should eat it with this someone and that someone <laughs> and no 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 let's mix it up for you and that's the way we are right i mean that's the yeah. love food is our love language and it's our love language for sure and yeah. dude and music and alcohol and many of yeah. those other things too right you also love- you know you used one word which was mix and i really think that's so crucial to the filipino experience truly is it's really mixed and if i can quote our late wonderful heroic friend carlos seldran on his tour right in intramuros he would mm-hmm. always say halo halo filipinos are halo yeah. halo we are our national dessert and i going back to you lu in your approach to cuisine, it's the serving, it's the love, it's all of that. But I also find there's a bravery to your approach to cuisine that is really fantastic. And it's not bravery in terms of let me get a gas lighter and, and make fireworks and make this thing sing and dance. It really is almost a comfort food fusion, right? It's not this pretentious, sorry, well, not all fusion food is pretentious but you know what i mean it's not this sort of pretentious Mm. attempt at at fusion food it's let me find the love food of every culture and put that together that's what i see when i when i eat your food it's what's interesting as well in that is and i like to relate it back into this conversation you know there's there's a little wave right now of people trying to say can we standardize filipino cuisine right and the flavors and the recipes and i'm like why would we try to do that I mean, mm-hmm. there should be as many recipes for adobo as households in this country and abroad, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's very, very important, again, to take a look at because on one side, it seems like we're trying to make everything oneness and Filipino needs to be just this. Mm-hmm. And then, let's say, inside our, our frontiers, right? But then mm-hmm. somebody outside does something different that gets applauded. And then all of a sudden that makes us think. And then that comes back inside and then we reject it again. Right, right. <laughs> so it's really incredible to see, you know, um, how different... talaga yung mga Pinoy kasi. <laughs> you have that in the halo-halo as well. There you, exactly, right? Okay. So it's, it's really understanding how that is. And I think uh, what I'd love to invite people listening to us to begin mm. with, just try to be as open as possible to say, you know, whether you're the little mongo in the halo-halo or you're the leche flan or you're the ube <laughs> or you're the syrup or you're the garbanzo or the lanka. You know, we all have a part of making halo-halo the national dessert, yeah. right? And, and yeah. not as, the, it's not, it, it would be quite boring to just have mongo in halo-halo, right? So, it would be ginumis or whatever. <laughs> Actually, speaking of not just one, right? So, Bams, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, my dear? Because you're definitely not just one. If anything, you know, and this is this is excuse this little pretentious uh, pretentious segue, but when Luce Irigaray talks about the feminine is always plural, this is kind of how I see you, right? It's never just one. Oh yeah, (laughs) absolutely. I don't know. I call it the single mother syndrome. So, 
you know, where you have to be resourceful, which I think is a very Filipino thing as well. Being oh resourceful. my God, totally. You know? So totally. I lived 30 years abroad. Like I left when I was 21. I came back when I was just, you know, 50 after I turned 50. It was like 30 years away. And, you know, I like to say that the first half of my life was was being Filipino, discovering my mm-hmm. Filipino-ness. The second half was really because I had been abroad that I was kind of discovering the European side of me. Mm-hmm. But in many ways, the Filipino side kept pulling you back. And that's the other thing about being Filipino, especially when you grow up here. You know, mm-hmm. all these little things that bring you comfort. And, and it's so hard to, to explain in a foreign culture, like totally. something as, well, ridiculous as chocnut, how that could be so <laughs> sublime, right? And you chocnut try to explain. It's, oh my God. Yeah, it's powdered. What is it? Cocoa, not even real cocoa or something. Oh and and peanuts, peanuts. <laughs> powdered peanuts, crushed peanuts and everything. They're like, what? You know? Totally. you know, and those are the things that, I, I mean, like Lou was saying, it, it, some things bring you, like knock you back home. And, and totally. even, even when you're abroad. And I used to find that when I was abroad, I, used to, I was many things. I worked in the luxury industry. I worked mm-hmm. in PR. And I'm also, I worked as a journalist and all that. And, um, you know, and then I was raising two kids at the same time. So I had moved from, you know, Hong Kong. I studied in Paris first. And then I, I you know, came home for a brief while, moved to Hong Kong, mm-hmm. moved to Jordan, moved to Guam, back to Hong Kong, back, back to, you know, back to Hong Kong twice, I think, and then Mauritius and South Africa, and then Jesus. finally back here, right? So it's yeah. all sorts of places. But I think the anchor has really been, you know, I mean, you're, there's a lot of nostalgia as well. I mean, nostalgia yeah. is also an anchor because, you know, you realize people do things a, a different way, but there's also part of you that you also want to explain to people who you are. And one Don't of the ways you. of doing that is through food yeah, or even through music and, you know, well, things. I'll add so. I'll add something to this, Bams, because you've you know you've lived in more countries than than I think many of us have visited. But but you know your roots also are are quite particular. I mean, your mother was a bit of a hero. You know what I mean? You have roots here in political journalism, activism, etc. Yeah. As well, right? Well, so I suppose in that sense, I also didn't have a typical upbringing like you, Lao. I mean, mm. your your mother was is also this recognized. Let me say it properly: dermal, <laughs> dermatopathologist. Dermatopathologist. There you go. Right. Okay, so, fair. but but for you in particular, I, I guess the point I'm trying to make here is: it, to me, you occupy this really amazing space of when we talk about what's Filipino, ba like. Like, do you have a nationalistic pride to you? You come from those roots as much as you have reported around the world, lived around the world, lived this see, incredible global The weird thing is, you know? I never used to feel it. I think in, in you know, when seven, well, 80s, I would say, when, you know, when I was in my 20s and all that, mm-hmm. and, and then I left for Paris, it was a time when a lot of Filipino help Mm-hmm. Filipinos were being exported, you know, working as domestic helpers in Paris and everything and, and all over the Middle East. I think there was, because I, I you know, I don't know if I should say this actually, but, but I was always white, right? I right. mean, yeah. white passing, but I was mm-hmm. always fair, right? Mm-hmm. And and so much was made of my looks mm-hmm. ever since I was little. That yes. I look so mestiza, I look this and whatever. And you'll be Miss Universe. Of course, it never happened because I'm so <laughs> short or whatever. But, and, and you know, I, we'll talk about beauty pageants one day, but, you know. Yes. Um, Yes, <laughs> right. we have to, we but, have to. You know, so there was also this, because I was made to feel 
that I was somehow better mm-hmm. because I was lighter, in, you know, in complexion. Mm-hmm. There was like this unconscious or subconscious, whatever you want to call it, desire to separate myself from whatever you thought was a typical Filipino, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and I feel that I'm, I'm ashamed of it actually now, you know, because I feel that you have to embrace who we, we are, who we are, flaws and everything and, and all the mixes and all Otherwise that, right? we can't and, grow, yeah. And understanding as well, the social econo- socioeconomic mm-hmm. realities of, you Absolutely. know, where we, where we come from. Absolutely. And, um, but, you know, so there was this thing that I wanted to keep this distance. And I said, as I said, I wanted to explore who I was because it mm-hmm. was always drilled into my head that I was part Spanish. My grandfather was Spanish. I had my looks. My looks were my looks because of my Spanishness, mm-hmm. not really because of my... My Filipino-ness. So, you know, it's like a kind of dichotomy there, right? Totally. When you think about so, it. Which I find particularly Filipino. Really yes, that's also right? true, right? That whole confusion and... Yes, you know, absolutely. And still so quintessentially Filipino in all the contradictions, right? Mm-hmm. That, that mm-hmm. I think that's who we are. You know, but it was only later on when I realized that I had a greater appreciation for my background, obviously. And, and I think post-1986 as a revolution, you know, my mm-hmm. mother was quite prominent and all that. And, mm-hmm. and you, you know, when you realize that your, your country your, your, or your mm-hmm. family has been part of overthrowing a dictatorship and all that, you know, there's mm-hmm. kind of, you know, resurgent pride and everything. So, absolutely, you know, it really was this whole kind of evolution as well for me. Absolutely. And now I cannot separate that from who I am. No, and you know, you've and been I, publicly... Yeah. You yourself, beyond your roots, have been publicly in service of Filipino-ness, what it means to be a Filipina, our local rape culture and misogyny and all this. Like, clearly, this evolution has become something that has really wanted to empower other Filipinas. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, definitely. Yeah, but also, yeah, yeah, exactly. Making Filipinas Mm -hmm. feel that, hey, you know, it's a sense of agency Mm -hmm. that you have that and you should exactly. use it and Fantastic. and i think my personal crusade well in a sense but it's like just stop being held back by all yeah. these notions of what, how we're supposed to behave like we're exactly. not supposed to make noise we're supposed to be nice we're supposed we're to not be- supposed to enjoy sex that has to well, be an episode too. bambina we do need to talk about <laughs> sexual pleasure and the filipina woman yeah, yeah. <laughs> lu parang you, you wanted it, to say something yeah. Well, you know, it was funny on the on on the flip side to Bambina. Of course, you know, I was living in I was in I was living in Mexico um, when the revolution happened, and I remember how incredibly powerful the Filipino sense inside me started sort of burning. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we would I mean, obviously, we did not have cell phones; nothing was there. We would barely get any type of news from the U.S. television. At times, we couldn't reach my grandparents here Mm -hmm. because, you know, the whole connection, the phone connection was down. Mm -hmm. Um, And so slowly during, you know, as things started getting worse, 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 worse for Marcos and stuff, and we would see that by the day, you know, Mm -hmm. here's this little 11-year-old kid who is now starting to really become prouder and prouder and prouder of Mm -hmm. where he comes from of right. what is happening in that country back home, how things are being transformed, 
how we're looking at growth, how we're looking at opening mm -hmm. up to the world, being proud and showing ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. So once that happened, you know, Cory gets into power. I still lived many more years in Mexico. And, and it was really funny because on, on my side, my crusade was, I am Filipino. I had friends, I had gatherings, I had reunions, and I would obviously be serving, you know, palabos and adobos and lumpias and turons and stuff like mm -hmm. that. And I, I was so proud to see people just basically leaving the house saying, oh my God, I didn't know that there was so much of the Philippines that was wonderful, right? Yeah. And so, you know, fast forward to, you know, year 2000 and I get to the Philippines, you know, a decision I made to move back to the Philippines back in, in, in those days. And the reverse happened to me, Bambina, where people here did not allow me to be Filipino. Mm -hmm. You know, I had... You know, I, I would talk to friends of mine and, and you know, there were words like as stupid as linga that people didn't even know, which I grew up with because that's what I mm. used for Toron. And, and they're like, no, you're white. You're white. You're no Pinoy uh, here at all. And it, it, it hurt. It really hurt because I had made the decision to come back to help rebuild part of a country where I said, I have the duty to come back here because I have something that can be useful. Mm. To the country post Marcos, post FER, et cetera, et cetera, right? Um, where I was living already in more of a Western world where things were already happening and growing and, and you know, things were moving. We needed people to come back. And I made mm -hmm. that choice. And to come back here and everybody say, no, sorry, you're not Filipino. When, you know, I, I, I knew more songs than they did in <laughs> Kundiman, I could talk right. about. You Which know, brings us to the question that right? so Bambina like, asked in the beginning what's Pinoy anyway, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, I wanted to, it was interesting, you know, reflecting on, on hearing both of you speak and I guess thinking of my own experience as well, this idea of the evolution of a Filipino identity, right? So many Filipinos, as Bambina pointed out, living abroad at the whole OFW, that was millions of families, right? Affected. Yeah. So really and truly what we think of as Filipino is just well, it's not static in any culture to begin with, mm -hmm. correct? But Filipinos from the get-go, I think, were rather mixed. And especially with this explosion of the OFW experience, it's no longer limited to the, quote, privileged class in the Philippines of people who study abroad, work abroad, come back. It's really quite exploded beyond those mm -hmm. borders. And when I was thinking about, you know, flipping the narrative, it occurred to me, <laughs> excuse me, because this is just how corny my brain works sometimes, but you can't actually flip without some sort of internal looking inward right you can't mm -hmm. flip with some sort without some sort of propulsion or fuerza abuelo like something to push you forward and then you gotta land on your feet again right because it's not anyway it just got me thinking i was all interested in listening to your stories and the evolution of that and the conflict even turning inwards having to deal with our own privilege not being wanted and then rejecting our roots because they didn't want us anyway and then reclaiming those roots in this hyper yeah man i'm totally committed i love that story and i think it's a it's a pretty common one but maybe like, not even case, just for filipinos but colonial countries but yeah yeah colonial countries could be true no but like in my case i remember going to paris being in paris and then seeing being at the bus stop and a friend of mine was saying, an English friend was saying, he saw some people talking there, right? Some Asian looking people. And he goes, I think they're Malaysians. And they said, no, 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 they're Filipinos. And they were obviously domestics, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't know why I felt like, you know, you feel in a way that you're an ambassador of your country. 
Yeah. And you don't want people to think that you're just a country of, of, of maids, right? But then now I've come to, you know, I mean, it took a while for me to realize that that's also who we are. Mm-hmm. You know, these are, we export our services. I mean, Damn, there's a whole, you know, it's all related to and governance reason, as well. And the labor. We're, yes, for a reason. Because we're so good at... I mean, we've been trained to be, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Such yeah. Caregivers. But not only that, there are all the social, there are all the economic conditions that exactly. made it, you know. We don't so have opportunity here. I don't know. We yeah. couldn't, the, the sugar market collapsed, so we couldn't yeah. do that. And then the textile market collapsed, we couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. So let's export our people and all that. Exactly. But, you know, and, and I think for me, the whole thing there was actually realizing, not realizing, but taking people as mm-hmm. people, not exactly. seeing them as a collective, oh, they're all mates, you know. Yeah. Or they're yeah. all engineers, you know, not engineers, but, well, but laborers if, or yeah. whatever, right? So I think that's also part of maturity because oh, yeah. I, you know, you also don't want to be, be seen as, oh, yeah, another, you know, what did my mother-in-law call me? Eurasian slut. Fabulous. Fabulous. That's lovely. She, she sounds great. I think yeah. we should have her on this. <laughs> no, oh, no, she actually said to my daughter that Asian slut who sleeps around. I said, correction, Eurasian. well i think no and then sorry i just had this experience when i was in jordan so i brought my yaya with me right i mean she had been with us in hong kong and you know she was great and she was saying that when she was when she would meet the other you know filipina domestic workers on their day off they would say something like oh siguro yung amo mo na ano no yung madam mo na nakajackpot you know so it's that notion that us as filipinas are lucky to be taken out of our homes by a white, you know, the rescue, the whole white savior complex, right? Absolutely. And my maid, I would, I loved her for this, and she would always say, "Excuse me, yung husband niya yung nakajackpot." You know? so, <laughs> basically, I was the prize. Exactly, know? which is obvious. Um, <laughs> sure. No, but, but this is this is what I mean about there are so many stories, and not of the, all of them are nice, right? We have, I certainly, Bambina mentioned it earlier, feeling some shame about some previous attitudes. I certainly have that. I, you know, felt like a bastard child growing up. I felt really out of place. And so I wanted to reject everything Filipino about me for a good long time as well, which is why it hurt when people called me a refugee, right? And then that morphed into realizing, wait a minute, in the United States of America, I'm not in freaking power. I don't look freaking white. Why the hell do I want to associate myself with these freaking white people calling me a refugee? And then it became this incredible sort of, fuck that. I'm going to go with the people of color who understand what Mm -hmm. the hell this is and, and immigrants and whatever. And having to navigate that reality, coming back to the Philippines and having people go, why the fuck do you give a shit about race? Right? Because it's a different, we deal, we have different issues with race in our country. It's not all the same as in the United yeah, States, definitely. but that's yeah. half of my life was there, right? Um, so I do think a lot about flipping the narrative is going to be exploring the myriad stories of Filipinos. And I don't, I think I had this conversation with Bambina before. I think Filipinos as Asians, as a culture, are ludicrously underrepresented in literature, in media. Mm-hmm. TV, you know, I still remember there was a Tom Selleck movie and I was so freaking killing because the maid was Filipina. Like how killing to see a Filipina? How can we have 16,000 episodes of Grey's Anatomy and not one fucking Filipino nurse or doctor? I mean, please, 
right? Oh gosh, I never even took that into consideration. Well, yeah. Considering the amount of Filipinos all over the world, how are we not in every freaking narrative Mm -hmm. everywhere, right? So I like the idea that maybe we can share some of those narratives and get them out there because our stories are interesting, but way beyond us three, right? We're just three. There's so many stories out there. So I'm excited about that. I think yes, stories, but I'd love to say journeys Mm. because I think as Filipinos, what what we have uh, in many cases are journeys. There's so many of them. You know, for sure. Uh, that, that, for sure. That just, it's a life. It's it's it, it it never ends, right? And it's in so many ways, like I said, because we're so underrepresented. I don't think we have an adequate representation, or even we just don't hear about, for example, Filipino men dealing with the journey of coming out as okay. gay, right? Yeah. We certainly don't have. We have so many Filipino trans individuals, mm-hmm. but. They're, they're really relegated to this niche of either they're funny or they're your hairdresser, but they're not necessarily in the public domain. This is changing, thankfully, right? We have people yeah. in politics now and all but this I'm stuff. Yeah. But we need to hear more of that. We do need to hear about Filipinas' struggles, and I say struggles on purpose, with sexual pleasure. Because most of us mm. were raised in the Catholic Church where we were told basically pleasure was evil. Right. And we were going to burn for eternity for feeling it. So I there's so much I think that we can definitely talk about. Yeah, I'm excited. It's Me good. Too. Yeah, I think you were you're mentioning that. I mean, I guess as a gay man myself and in the experience uh, of coming in to the mm-hmm. Philippines back in 2000, what I found quite interesting is, you know, being gay or let's say the third sex locally was always in our culture. Right. And it yep. was only Absolutely. Until the Spanish- in our tribal culture. Yeah. The tribal cultures. It's only when the Spaniards uh, come what in. What is it called? Babaylan or something. Mm-hmm. Babaylan. Yeah, it was, it was recognized as part yeah, of it society. Is, absolutely. It is. It's a third gender, yeah. yeah. And then again, they were, given, they, were given, they were given very specific tasks that were mm-hmm. very, very important. And, and so what I found funny is then all of a sudden, here come the Spaniards and flip that story. And now yeah. all of a sudden, you can't, right? Mm-hmm. And so... We have a tiered society where the ones that were converted and more Spanish mm-hmm. and more upper class basically look down on gay people. Mm-hmm. Then you have the bottom half of society where still recognizes them, where, you know, I've met so many, you know, friends that say, oh yeah, my brother's married, but everybody knows he's gay, but he needs to get married to have children, but they respect him and his partner, mm-hmm. which again is something right. to talk about because I don't know, totally. you know, how, right? And, and but, but the thing is, We've lived with that comfort for generations, right? So, and that's okay. And so the funny part is now, how do you find yourself in society again? And, and in my case, I guess I have that, not only the responsibility, but I've had sort of, I've, I've carried that flag in saying, I'm loud. I'm loud when I'm in public and saying I am gay, uh, but you know, it's, it's not a but. And I'm also a professional and I'm also somebody right. who loves right. my partner. And I am also, you know, it's like, right. we need to flip the, that idea that Mm-mm. you are less or you are, Absolutely. right? And, 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 and why does that happen? And, and the shame that comes with that. I yeah. think in general, um, in the Philippines, there is a great, great respect for, for homosexuality in general. and, and In general, to, and then there's a severe not, right? And then there's a severe Yeah, yeah. Uh, but not only that, there, there's a usefulness that you find mm-hmm. in media in, as mm. entertainment. It's the entertainment Absolutely. value of gays. Yeah, so it's also exactly. a stereotype. I mean, because you'll see the gays 
I mean, gay people in in, in the gays. Film, I love it. Gays, I sorry, but yeah, no, no, that's how they. No, you'll see them yeah. in film or in in yeah. those variety shows or whatever, and it's very stereotypical, very mm-hmm. feminine, exactly. very hysterical, and all that. Yeah, but, or masochistas or prostitutes, and it's not yeah. like you know, you're not allowed to be yeah. regular. Oh, right. gay people right. come in all forms you know exactly exactly like you said you have the married man with who's gay but you know has exactly. to has to marry a woman to have children and you have i don't know bank um ceos or you know whatever i mean right you have them in the right. kitchen you have them here you have them whatever so yeah you know, in politics it's hello hello baby the normalization yeah hello hello but it it exactly. has to evolve beyond stereotypes, I think. Exactly. Oh, totally. Right? And totally. that's also another thing about our culture is we love stereotyping people, right? So, well, you know. ain't that the truth? Um, okay, so we've been talking now. It's now 11.10. <laughs> I feel like we've gotten a really nice... Hey, but Lau, you haven't told us about you. I can do that next time, really and truly. <laughs> um, but I think we've got a nice spectrum. I think we've also got a nice lineup of topics that we can we can dive into, right? We've we've talked a little bit about um, being gay in the Philippines, yeah. uh, what what that is like for many people. Mm-hmm. For certainly for Luis, can talk about that directly from his experience. Yeah. We've talked about growing up. Uh, being the way we are, looking the way we are, from the families that we are, our experiences abroad. I think that's interesting as well. I, I love the idea. Our our vibrators. We need to talk about sexual pleasure in the Filipina. Um, I do think I do. Think that might need to be an episode. Um, and I love the idea of evolving as a Filipino. What it you know some of these stories of like rejection, acceptance, empowerment, activism. I think that's also really, that could resonate also with a lot of younger Filipinos, right? Who are starting to reflex their activist muscles. I think that's yeah. wonderful. Well, so yeah, elections coming of, up as well. Huh? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. There's a lot of creativity. Uh, there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of creativity. There's a lot of roar engine uh, in, in the younger community. Which happens to at some point get, you know, it gets pushed down by the the, the, the yeah. previous generation, right? Of course. Right? You know, I, I'd like, I'd like that. I'd like that group to know, look, we're outspoken. We like to be irreverent. We talk about these things and, mm-hmm. and, and it would be really interesting to say, Hey, you have these incredible values that can then be, partnered up and pushed forward with that empowerment and, yeah. and that's that's what will change our narrative as a country Absolutely. the fact that we can actually get the younger generations to in their head as you said go inside flip the <laughs> traditional way of thinking and what yeah. comes yeah. from their parents challenge convention and then make sure that what they have inside is that power of of creation and passion that we have as filipinos then comes forward to transform our country again amen yeah, but it's always a tightrope between worldliness or globalization in some sense and insularity, mm-hmm. you know? And because we're an island nation, there's that, what's the word for it? Like an innate desire to explore, to get out because right. of island fever and everything. Let's get out of here and see what else is there in the world, you know, beyond the sea. But there's also this need to preserve and self-contain, right? Yeah. And kind of, there's a part of us that's also resistant to change. So, mm-hmm. you know... We're comfortable in our insularity so it's always that that little tug of war so basically you know. we will be in this podcast we will be walking that tightrope yeah. we will be balancing this mm-hmm. exploration with this insularity right and i think what i'm really looking forward to is we won't be shy from exploring both you know what i mean 
the yes. good, the bad, the ugly, stuff we were ashamed of and where we've ended up and where we can still go. So I'm excited. Very, very excited. Yeah, hey. Well, was it worth it? Did we work it? Put that thing down. Flip it and reverse it. Keep flipping with us. Subscribe to Flipping the Narrative wherever you get your podcasts to listen to our new episodes as soon as they drop. We are on social media too. Follow at Flipping the Narrative on Instagram and Facebook and let us know what you think. Or send us an email at flippingthenarrative.podcast at gmail.com. That's flippingthenarrative.podcast at gmail.com. Music courtesy of Cumbia Mamacita by Yoki of Ozone Beats. And thank you, thank you, thank you to Josel Gaston, our sound editor and musical engineer and podcast advisor and overall guru, and to Nami Kapati, the artist who created our awesome logo and visuals. Till we flip again. Yeah,